this week on Bonus Barrel. I had a dream last night that I was uh, carrying around uh, a paraplegic link. Yeah, Left nice. has no experience milking at all. What? Stupid baby laugh. <laughs> right? Yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to Bonus Barrel. with me is Shelby and left three haze because we are missing one no safety one would assume he's pulling a left right now and sleeping I know right I mean, that seems like, to be the safest bet who does he think he is me <laughs> yeah he's pulling you he's I mean, it's 5 30 ish where he's at and he was said he would be here and he lied to us yeah. he lied to me <laughs> and it's the worst hurt. of all it hurt yeah it's it's just it's despicable it's I mean I never thought he was that kind of a person and maybe he shows up I take it back. But, uh, in, in Sagey's defense, we were playing Clash Royale at uh, midnight his time last night, and so it only gives him about five hours to sleep here. So, I mean, I, I went to bed at, at like three, so I, <laughs> I got like six hours sleep, as I normally do. All right. New segment. Return, Return to an older segment, segment but, with but with a, a different, different name. name. All right. So uh, earlier this week, I was in the bathroom and probably taking a poop. And then I was thinking. So you do your about, best thoughts, right? Yes, yeah, so I get all my <laughs> best, best thinking done. And I thought of another reason why Digital Dan's a fucking asshole, <laughs> and that's because you can't. I don't want to spoil it yet. All right, so this is part two of my twenty-eight part series about why digital games aren't as great as, uh, as you know, digital distribution or right, as, as um, regular games are. I'm still tired. So regular games. Yeah, uh, physical games. <laughs> so you know my great, yeah. All right, so here's a scenario, okay? Mm-hmm. We got these two guys. One of them is Digital Dan. The other one is, uh, let's just call him Hardware Harry. Uh, and they're chilling <laughs> out, and he comes up to Digital Dan. And he's like, hey, uh, Digital Dan, as you know, I'm having a, a rough time financially. My husband left me, and now I am supporting our four children alone. I don't have much work lately, and I just really want to play the latest Bleepity Bloop 4. I know you have, like, every game ever, and you're a super generous dude. Can I borrow it from you? Yo, dude, I want to. I totally would. But you see, I only have digital games. I can't really easily lend them. Like, that wasn't even on the Steam, so I can't even do that thing where people share stuff. Like, I guess if I had used physical games, I could just hand it over to you. But those are inconvenient, and I hate them. Guess I'll just die now. And that's that's my scenario. I mean, did uh, Hardware Harry, who only, he can't afford all these games. He has a console. Digital Dan, his, his great friend, who has all these games he brags about, can't lend them because they're not physical. That's didn't, my complaint. Didn't we figure out a way to share Steam games a while ago, though? Yeah, that's why I threw the Steam loophole in there. I oh. said he do, it's not a Steam game. It's not one he can share, which is stupid because you still have to have that one program and you have to do a bunch of shit, share an account. I'm not sharing anything with anyone except physical <laughs> games. I'll share those. I can keep track of them. Shelby has like eight of mine. Um, I think Slight on exaggeration. Console, can't you do game share three times? Can you? Yeah. I know you can't with Nintendo. Oh, that's so I'm still I'm still safe, and uh, could what, what could you do with though? Now that I'm asking sincerely now, because I don't. Um, uh, when my Xbox brother thing? came to visit, uh, well, no, it's I think it's for both. I think it's for PS4 mm-hmm. and Xbox. 
but he put his account on... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, you can download a game up to, like, three times, I think. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's, that's like, a, a definitely a good thing from Sony, which which are leaps and bounds ahead of Nintendo in terms of uh of their online stuff. Oh, this was on Xbox. Oh, and probably the but same But you can probably uh, do it on PS4. I don't know if, if Xbox will let you just do it forever, but I know with Sony, like, you can download, you can re-download your game, like, three or four times, so you can put them on different PlayStations. Megan... Family used to do that with uh, some digital games. They would, they had a few different PlayStations, so they would just, you know, sign into each other's account and download the games onto their system. Okay. Now, I'm not too sure exactly how that works or, or what you're explaining here, but it makes very little sense that you can't just re-download as many times as you want onto the same console. Like you, you're probably limited to like four or five consoles. I doesn't know if uh, it's that same console. I don't think it keeps track of that. Of course, it does. You sure? Yeah, of course Why, it does. How, how would it do that? Does it, it doesn't track its serial number. Well, if if something like iTunes can recognize the computer that you're using, because you have to, the way, I know iTunes really well, and the way iTunes work yeah. with purchase content through there is you can authorize five computers to use your purchase content. And then you can re-download your purchases as many times as you want onto those authorized computers. So I would imagine that they would have a very similar model to that. Look, no one likes a bragger left. <laughs> <laughs> I had a dream last night that I was uh, carrying around uh, a paraplegic link. Okay. Because he, I don't know why this happened, but uh, yeah, he couldn't fucking move, so I had to bring him through. And they, we were going through these like creepy, like castle horror fucking stages. It was like the worst thing ever. Everything was really, really scary. It was odd, and it was weird because I could hear him, because he like I could hear him, but I couldn't see him. I could just see his hands like on my shoulders. <laughs> Oh look, Sagey's here. Sagey will join. Yeah, jump on. All right, cool. Uh, uh, that's good. Well, uh, Sammy he missed my. Doesn't matter. He doesn't care. Hey, hey. buddy. Welcome back, Sagey. Good morning. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> you <laughs> heeded the call. We uh, we were saying that you pulled a left. That you were likely sleeping. I was. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were talking about uh digital damage appearance, but I figure you can just have that treat for yourself when you edit it later. <laughs> Of course. Yes. So before Shelby tells us about a fun dream, um, left. You said you had a, a rebuttal to, or not, and a comment on oh, what I said. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in terms of digital, in in regards specifically to Scott Pilgrim. Um, oh yeah. A friend of ours who who listens to the show, he he heard that and he was just like, "Oh my goodness, I'm pretty sure I have that game." So he busted out his his Xbox. And he, he he originally purchased it a long time ago, but he didn't have it on the Xbox, so he was able to re-download it. Um, so the game itself, you know, I know you mentioned now if you have a download code, um, you can get it. But even if it's not like it's lost permanently for those people. No, who I, did I know buy you can it. re-download yeah. it. I, so it's, it's but just, still, it's just you were no, going on bullshit. about how this game is like no. inaccessible to everybody. No, no, it doesn't matter. It's not the case. Like you can't <laughs> buy it. You can't buy it. It's bullshit. It's my my argument is not changed in any sort of way but, just because you can re-download it. That's great that you can re-download it, but I, as a new consumer, and there's a bunch of stupid little kids nowadays who want to play games, oh, I like I like Scott Pilgrim! Well, too bad, Johnny, you little fuck. You should have been older and downloaded <laughs> it when it was out. But, like, you can't you can't go out and buy, like, a brand new SNES game, for example. Like, But they're floating around. You can't... You can still purchase one used. You can't purchase... Unless you're going to buy a whole system, you can't purchase a used Scott Pilgrim. You could purchase someone's account. 
That's crazy. <laughs> That's a, not a normal situation. No, I guess, youth, I guess not. Youth games are everywhere. I'm just saying it's not as hopeless as you led to believe last week. That's all. It's exceptionally inconvenient and difficult. <laughs> but, sure. But not hopeless. There's a chance. I'm so sorry if you thought it was literally impossible. But yeah, there's a small chance you can get it. You just have to do a whole bunch of shit. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, so congratulations left on getting a Switch. Oh, yeah. Thanks. That's my segue. You took some of my bluster of your congratulations out. <laughs> That's not really your switch, so it's your wife's switch. Yeah, so ba- basically. Um, it's really funny. I'm going to tell the story too how how we got it because it was kind of kind of funny. So we went out uh, Friday morning to go look to see if there was one, and, and they're they're pretty sp- uh, sparse here. But I figured I would we would go have a, uh, an honest look for them. So we went to the four major places that would typically have them. Um, didn't have any luck. So. What we decided, so my my girlfriend decided that she saw the um, Twilight Princess uh, Wii U version uh, with the Amiibo. And she's like, well, I want something Zelda. So she bought that instead. So that was all fine. So we have that now. And then later on in the day, we come back home. And then I'm like, well, I want to play some games. Let's let's buy a new computer game. So we actually bought a great game called uh, Vermintide. It's a Warhammer game. It's so fun. It's It's so fun. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's basically like Left 4 Dead, um, but yes. with with a lot more to it, uh, which is so I really like the game. So anyway, so with giant rat. Yes, <laughs> rats instead of zombies. So we we bought that and we were installing it, and then she was kind of complaining that she needed a new monitor for her computer to play this game. Well, like okay, so as this game's installed, why don't we go look at monitors? So we went basically back to the same places where we were looking at the switch, not with the switch in mind, just looking at monitors. And we went to the, our first uh, three options, and we're like, ah, we didn't find anything. And then we decided to go to Walmart. Just why not? Uh, I didn't think Walmart would have better monitors than Best Buy, but we figured let's let's go check them out. So as we walked around, she walks by their little Nintendo section, and there was three switches in the cabinet, and then she just lost it because um, <laughs> we were looking for one. We were literally there four hours earlier, and there was none, and now there was three. So then we had the arduous task of finding someone to unlock this cabinet. And so that was my job because there was people hanging around the Nintendo cabinet on their cell phones, calling people, being like, they have switches here. You need to get down here. So we knew we didn't have a whole lot of time to to wait on this. So I basically ran around Walmart asking as many employees as I could to who has keys to the electronics. And none of them were of any assistance. Um, until one of them pointed me to this teenager named Clancy. Uh, so, I, <laughs> so I walked over to Clancy. I told him, I'm like, you guys have three switches. I would like to buy one. And he's like, how do you know we have them? I'm like, I just walked by them. He's like, I just put them out like 10 minutes ago. And I'm like, well, this is perfect timing. Uh, so he, he got the switches out and then we bought one. So it was awesome. Yeah, and my friend managed to get one because I called him and said, hey, yo, there might be switches at uh, the Walmarts. And he rushed over and got one. He was bitching about not having one for like three well like since i came out so you know two winners in this story Bam! i'm glad i could now seiji and i were already winners because we've had him for like two weeks weeks, (laughs) kind of old news for us but i guess i'm pretty happy for you thanks friend i'm pretty happy for you left good job buddy and um i haven't really played it yet to be honest, yeah. though, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I played Blaster Master. I played uh, the Splatoon Test Fire event the other night, which was yeah, fun. Yeah, it's fun. So. Yeah, but same old Splatoon. Yeah, a little bit. Controls are okay. they're okay. I got used to the motion control more or less. Oh, I turned. I don't those, know how I feel about turn, it. I, I can't stand the motion controls. 
I, I think it's harder to, to aim without them, though. I didn't try, though, to be fair. Maybe I would like it better without them. I liked the special abilities a lot. They were a lot of fun. Splatoon! Splatoon! Yeah, it's pretty fun. I did try the, the game without the motion controls because they are on by default. Mm-hmm. And I thought... Because when, I, when I'm playing the, the Wii U version, I'm looking at the big screen and yeah. the, the control... I have motion controls active, but you don't see at the screen that you're moving, right? That was a little bit different. It was a little bit... Um, difficult to see or i thought uh, something was off so i tried without the motion controls on and i sucked at it like before that i was on a winning streak and i was like number one on my team all the time what a badass. and and <laughs> i turned off the the motion controls and i was like last and we started losing and it, no it, it was terrible there you go there's a uh, nice proof he tried both did you try both left uh, it makes you do like the beginning tutorial with motion controls, and I just found that even hard to play, so I turned it off as soon as I could. But one thing that I really do miss is having yeah. the gamepad to play Splatoon, because one thing with, you know, I forget what they call it, but you can kind of like leap into other sections of the map by just tapping on the gamepad screen. And now mm-hmm. they make you like open up a map and select who you want to jump to. And, you know, it's Those not bastards. it's not like a whole lot more work, obviously, but I, I do miss the convenience and simplicity of just tapping on the screen and then having my character jump there. Yeah. And yeah. that being said, one other thing that they changed, which is the jump button mm-hmm. on the Wii U, it's the X button uh, to jump. But this one is B and they use X to open up the map. So on countless occasions, I was opening the map instead of jumping. <laughs> it was kind of frustrating. Uh, yeah, small things. Just things that'll take getting used to, but it was fun. I liked it. Yeah, I'm definitely going to pick it up when it comes out. I mean, I was going to anyway. So I'm doing a full Switch run. That's my official announcement. Uh, we'll see how long that lasts. Yeah, really. Right. Uh, but so far, so good. I have three games. Three of them. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to rush run out and buy Just Dance and One Two Switch right away and Skylanders. They they will li- likely be around for a bit and likely become cheaper, and then I will buy them. But I, until that day happens, I played One Two Switch yesterday. I saw some of you play. <laughs> I want. I kind of wanted a little more just to look at the videos. They look so fucking stupid. Yeah, it's uh, it's you camp- were not. It's campy you- for the sake of being campy. Like it's just so ridiculous. I learned that on Cat- your Switch. No, no, no. I was at a friend's house. Yeah, left left has no experience milking at all. Apparently, he cannot not. <laughs> milk. He is not great at milking. That's so sad. Left. Before I forget, Shelby, you said you had a dream about Link, some sort of sexual encounter. Oh with Link. God, no! Something oh like my that. God! Make it weird right away. <laughs> no, I had a dream You're yesterday. The one having dreams about Link. I found Link, and he was a paraplegic, and he couldn't move, and he was just like on the ground, and we were in like this kind of like weird horror like castle setting. With like weird monsters and shit. Uh, and so I'm not gonna just leave him there. So I like picked him up and like piggy, kind of like piggyback or whatever. So I had his arms, like I was holding onto his arms. <laughs> Either way, he was just like super paralyzed and he couldn't move. And right, I didn't want to leave him there because it was in this creepy fucking castle with monsters running around. Did you He's fight Link? Him? He's fine. Yeah, but Link, <laughs> yeah. Link usually can move. Can move? <laughs> Was his heart rate, heartbeat, or heart timer damage thing going off? <laughs> I don't know. It was odd, and like we were going through, there was this weird, like super small, like really claustrophobic tunnel that had like, uh, like faces coming out of it, and there okay. were like vines, like spiky vines. It was just awful. It was really horrifying. That must have been an awful six seconds. <laughs> what? Because of the vines. <laughs> oh. <laughs>
That may be the worst joke I've made on the show yet. Pretty sure vines are seven seconds long. I thought they were six oh. seconds. Who cares? I don't watch vines. <laughs> also, the service is dead. No, no one watches new vine. Oh, that's sad too. Is it? Yeah. I don't care. Vines I mean, I'm, I'm, for the people who do care, though, I'm very sorry for you. <laughs> I don't want to offend anybody who likes vine. Megan, my uh, partner of, in life, likes vine, so I can't say anything bad about them. I don't You're have seven rambling. seconds. <laughs> <laughs> so I, <don't>, <laughs> I want to talk to you about something. <laughs> I have serious things to talk about too. Okay, Left. go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I have a, 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 a <laughs> not, it's not a new segment yet. <laughs> uh, I have a news thing that is going to excite you, Lef, Ooh. and me, but also it might disappoint us both because we don't know if we'll come here. But uh, Saiken Denetsu Collection of Mana series announced for Nintendo Switch in Japan. What? Collection like... combines the first three Saiken Denetsu games, known outside Japan as the Mana series, which includes Final Fantasy Adventure, Secret of Mana, and Saiken Denetsu 3, which was never released outside of Japan after it debuted on Super Famicom in 95. Adventure originally released in Game Boy in 1991, while Mana debuted on success in 93. The collection will come to Switch in Japan on June 1st. No idea if it's coming out over here, but I want it to really badly. That Physically, would be cool. ideally. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'd say there's slim to no chance of that as a physical, though. Um, if we get it, it'll be digital. If we get it digitally, I will buy it, of course. Oh, and then I, will, and then I will buy the likely physical Japanese copy just so I can have a physical you version. You get full run, right? Does that include Japanese games? Uh, I haven't decided yet. It'll be For now, it's North American. We'll see. Um, maybe Japanese. Depends on how many more they get. If they get like twice the number that we do, they probably won't. I'm not that crazy. You're kind of crazy. But Japanese games tend to be cheaper, so maybe I would. But that's really cool. That is a yeah, really super interesting cool. thing to see because, you know, that series is not, you know, it doesn't hold so well in today's day and age. Like, you don't know many people who are really, you know, talking about like, oh, Secret of Mana, are they going to redo that series? Um, so it's kind of cool to see that it's not forgotten. It should be Seiken Denetsu. I think I was saying it wrong. I, I know. I, I you know, Sorry, I've, everybody. I've sorry. always just called it Secret of Mana because I've, I've, I've butchered the pronunciation, so. To all of our Japanese listeners out there, uh, all 600 of you, I'm super sorry. Sorry. Cool. What did you have to say, Left? You said you had a, a thing? Um, A couple things. Me too. Okay, I'll go and then you can go. Go, no, you go. Oh, okay, that sounds exciting. All right. So in, in the terms of, of remakes and remastered games, uh, yeah. Blizzard is going to uh-huh. remaster StarCraft. Um, oh, yeah, I heard about that. I know cool. you guys maybe not have really played StarCraft too much, nope. but um, for me, it was a huge game. I used to play that all the time, uh, so it was really, really cool to kind of see that uh, announced, and, and they're also going to redo the the expansion for it, Brood Wars, as well, so that is really, nice. really exciting. Uh, really pumped to see that, and that uh, one thing as well that, that they have done, the the fine folks at Blizzard, is they, they've used, you know, ever since Diablo 1, they created this platform called Battle.net. And I'm mm-hmm. sure you used it, you know, playing Overwatch. Um, and yeah, of course. Of the Storm and stuff. Like, you're, you're familiar with what Battle.net is, and it's kind of a launcher for their games now. But it was initially just something, it was basically the platform for people to play Diablo 1 together online. And they've completely rebranded. Battle.net itself is, is dead, and they just kind of renamed it the Blizzard Launcher and stuff like that. So to me, yeah. you know, Battle.net has been something that has been so constant with me because I've been playing WoW for years especially. And yeah. uh, seeing it's it's kind of dead now, and uh, it kind of like it kind of made me feel things almost, which kind of weird. Because all, all it really is is rebranding from what I can tell, but the official yeah. name of Battle.net is gone. Did you cry? Inside. Just inside. Cool. Well, I'm sorry, man. Um, my words are a pat on the back to you. 
appreciate it. No, I think it's cool that they're remaking it. You got you reminded me of something that's not related at all, but you made me think about it. And before I, I don't want to stop you. Do you have anything else to say about your? No, that's Net that's thing? it for that topic. I, I like Battle.net too, by the way. I played WoW since like 2004, so I definitely uh, have experience with it. But I mean, to me, I have literally the, the Battle.net launcher, so I don't really, I, I see it more now than I did the past. So <laughs> to me, it's okay. Seiji and Lef. Oh, shit. Yeah, Lef, you're looking for a game. Binding of Isaac for the Switch comes with a sweet-ass manual that looks like the le- old Legend of Zelda manual. It's like a gold, golden foil, well, not foil, but golden uh, hard sleeve with the, the manual inside with all this art and stuff. It's awesome. More cool. games should do this. I think, all right, so here's what I'm thinking. The Switch, another way to be successful is to become a nostalgia machine. I'm saying it fucking, Seiken Denet, Denetsu Collection example, that more, even if it's not just like straight up remakes or, or ports, just like, hey, look, we have manuals and we're fucking, uh, we maps, you know, old games. Yeah, yeah, like, do that. Just, like, because nostalgia is huge, man. People love old retro games. Fucking push it. Make it uh, just, just, yeah, that's what I think Nintendo should do. Uh, for example, uh, and this is not unique because uh, Shovel Knight did it recently, but Binding of Isaac for Switch comes with a sweet little manual and stuff, and I'm saying a good way for the Switch to potentially be more, even more successful is to kind of become the machine known for nostalgia, like... Uh, you know, like physical runs of games with manuals and like maybe some ports uh, and collections of, of older special games that you don't see very often, such as the Sake of Denetsu series, that kind of thing. I think they should, because that's what worked really well for the Nintendo Mini. I think they could do more with it, with the Switch, the way it differentiates itself from the, its competitors, despite the fact that it's already different. Uh-huh. What are you playing here? That you want games to come with uh, more elaborate instruction booklets? Yes, and also just, yeah, absolutely, and also just in general to make more use of older properties, to possibly do collections of, of older games that you don't see too often. I'm not talking about stuff that came out last gen, but I mean, like, like this, the Seiken Denetsu collection, like, that's awesome. Do more of that and put them on a cart, on a sweet-ass cart, and be like, hey, remember <laughs> remember the SNES? It's awesome, and you buy, buy some games for our Switch. Can't yes. buy that over, over Sony. Over the weekend when Lev got his uh, Switch and he was saying some really interesting comments on our Hangout, or, or was it you? Anyway, it was one, one, one of you, but it was regarding how difficult it is to explain to non-Switch owners what it feels to, to have the thing, like finally on your hands and experiencing all the benefits of, of having game, like an actual gaming platform or like a gaming home console on the go. It seems like a really straightforward concept, but it really is something else. I think that there's a lot of potential for the Switch to do a lot of different things. It all depends on Nintendo, really. Uh, the Switch needs to become first a success so that Nintendo starts doing crazier stuff with it. I think that what you're saying makes a lot of sense, but I don't know. Nintendo is so unpredictable. I don't know what, what they're going to do with it. Do I agree you... with you. Yeah. Especially do... because a lot of types of games and development that they do on the 3DS could be done here, right? They don't necessarily have to uh, develop games as in the scale of, of Zelda, but we're also, uh, I think we can see a lot of smaller games and more interesting games. But yeah, I don't know. It's, I don't disagree with you, but I think other things need to happen first. Frankly, I, I do, by the way, I, I do really love playing on the Switch. I love, I love uh, being able to go handheld the TV I, with no effort at all. It is, it is very satisfying. And mm-hmm. I, I think that the console has the ability to have carve its place alongside 
the successful PS4 as its own thing. Uh, but I don't care about the Xbox. But I wanted to say Nintendo, I don't know, you probably heard about the Seiji. They're a little disappointed in Mario Run sales, I guess. Uh, they they like that sales model more, which, by the way, so do I. But Fire Emblem is making all the cash. But Mario Run, I guess, is underperforming. And that's probably because it has a $10 price tag attached to it. I don't know. But that's disappointing. I, I haven't bought it yet, but I, I think I will. I did play the the demo, and I, and I enjoyed it, actually. It was, pretty, it was pretty fun. Yeah, so what happened is that a few months ago, when Super Mario Run got released, I think it got an attached, no, a, a conversion rate of about 5%. Percent, which in the industry of actual free-to-play, that's about right. You know, successful games, and I really do mean successful games, they do have a conversion rate around 5%. Some successful games have around 1%. And what I mean by conversion rate is from your total user base, you, you might have a, a percentage of people that spend money on the game of around 1%. So that's how the business works. So if Nintendo had, I don't know, how many... Downloads, it wasn't the hundreds of millions of downloads, right? Or, or something like that. I mean, I if, if, sure. if, if 5% of those users actually spend money on the game, which meant, you know, spending 15 Canadian or 10 American, that's great, actually. It's just that investors would be disappointed, and in turn, Nintendo would be a little bit disappointed, too, because they, they were trying to hit, like, 10%, mm-hmm. which is not, not so bad. I mean, I think that the development of Super Mario Run is justified in terms of turn of investment because I don't think uh, Super Mario Run was a really expensive game to make. I couldn't imagine. So so I think it was very profitable and I think that they do mean that thing about they believe in their free to start concept. I prefer that honestly. I always have too. Like I think that I don't like I'm not a big fan of freemium models although I think it has its place. I, I don't think it's all evil or anything but free to start to me always seemed like the best way to go i don't know i like i like to pay for a full game i don't like microtransactions too much but it's successful so i mean i guess people will go companies will go where the money is right yeah and, and they are experimenting right so they did well with with uh what was it uh fire emblem they're doing yeah. really well with that and they're trying something with that model and they try something with super mario run so they are disappointed because they didn't sell as much but is by no means failure i think it's it's a great game for what it is it's probably the best runner out there. I played it a whole bunch this uh, since it got released. I think on a Thursday. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I mean, it's it's a bit steep. You know, so maybe it should be a little bit deeper, more options in there to to spend money. Maybe not like like actual like freemium model with soft currency and hard currencies, but something else. Yeah. It's uh, funny to imagine, but this might be some kid's first Mario game and their favorite nostalgic Mario game twenty years from now. Mario Run. That was great. I I used to, to spend all day on my couch playing Mario Run. My thumb would cramp because of all the, the, the tapping I would do. Because you can play Mario Run with one hand. And I think that's what the future holds. Well, nope. we'll see. We'll see what, what Nintendo <laughs> does with, with Animal Crossing. I'm really excited to see what they yeah, do. They're going to go cool. with, a, with a free-to-start model, which to me makes no sense. Because of the type of game that Animal Crossing is. But again, we're seeing some really interesting stuff on mobile. I think it's going to continue to mature. And there are some companies out there that are differentiating themselves for being more experimental. Right. Um, just this weekend, a game that is, very, that is becoming more and more dear to my heart. Because as I've said before, and this is going to come later in, in this episode. To me, it's really important when, when I can actually enjoy a game with my wife. 
it's a very important factor because usually I play games and those are games that I enjoy and sometimes I enjoy it with with people and since we've been doing this show I enjoy them even more because I get to to share them with you guys even if it's just like talking about it but when I get it to enjoy with my wife to me it means something else because it means that we're gonna share those memories together and it gets really sentimental but anyway Erika has been playing Clash Royale for a while and to me is really amazing as a game designer and as a mobile game developer it's really interesting when my wife gets to play a game because I try to spot why like why is she playing games why is she playing this game not this game so Clash Royale has been a, a game that that already had developed a significance to me personally apart from it being awesome and I'm playing it all the time playing like hours every day I'm spending hours on it every game so but this weekend they release a new feature which is the clan battles which is basically it's two versus two and i was really interesting it, it seemed like like an interesting concept but i wasn't expecting my wife to be so into it it was she was so so into it i was actually kind of like okay I, i played enough but she was like she had this idea of completing the the milestone which is getting to the next chest and actually i saw left playing there and i was like hey left got a switch why is he not playing switch why is he playing this thing <laughs> um the thing is that this particular feature and it has its own mechanics but that that's that's not my point here my what is what was relevant to what to what, what i was saying is that there is no monetization schemes here it's really interesting because you see in normal play in clash royale what drives the monetization is to to be stronger to get to higher levels and there are other features that are, that need you to spend either soft currency or hard currency in order to advance Just earlier this week, I was watching a conference, a GTC conference with them, and they call this game not pay to win, but pay to progress, and I and I agree with that. But in this particular feature, cards auto-level. So if you are less than a certain level, they, your troops go, will go up, and if you're over that level, they will go down. And it doesn't cost any money to go into this feature, so I was thinking, like, what's up here? Like, how are they, are they going to monetize this because they're not promoting strength or or development of the troops. They're not asking you to pay any money up front like in normal events. I think that Supercell here are experimenting with something. It's kind of suspicious because the feature is great. It works perfectly, better than expected, but they're not monetizing it. So it's interesting, right? I don't know. Those are things that, you know, in the future, I think we're going to see more or better gameplay, better mechanics, and better monetization schemes, I think. Yes. I agree. I mean, I agree with, with what you said. And I have no complaints about Clash. And I don't know if I told you guys, but I definitely spent money while playing. And I never really felt any regret or any, like, I got ripped off or anything. So I, I just bought the arena packs when I, when I leveled up. Yeah, those was, are those are hard to refuse sometimes. Yeah, there was a really good deal. I got some really sweet cards where I got my first, like, legendary or whatever they're called. And I was pretty, and I use them in one of my decks. So I haven't played in, like, a couple weeks. I'll pick it up again, I'm sure. You, It's you, a really good game. You should uh, try these uh, clan battles, whatever they're called. Uh, they are a lot of fun. I've been playing them with Seiji and with Erica and with our, our fourth bonus barrel clan member, uh, Retro Revolution. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we, we've, all, we've been... All, I think it's just been the four of us lately. But uh, the, uh, the clan battles have been a lot of fun. And, you know, I've been just looking at them as fun, but... After hearing what you had to say, Seiji, like, that makes a lot of sense. Like, you know, it is kind of strange how they're doing this because they basically, you know, they did spend time and money to implement this feature. 
that technically they're not benefiting from other than, you know, engagement. That's, that's all they're getting from it. Um, that's so that, a, that could be enough, though. In this type of game, engagement and you wanting to play is enough reason for you to, to motivate you oh, to no, buy it's, it's, it's more stuff. It's definitely a good thing to have. Um, and, you know, hopefully it'll get someone like you, Rob, to come back and at least play a few matches kind of thing. Um, but, you know, it's, it, is, it is a strange idea. And, you know, it, I never really wondered, you know, what are they trying to do with this in the future? But now Seiji has me thinking, so. Damn. It's excitement. That's hype. Right, Shelby? Yeah. Yeah, you like Clash. <laughs> if we sh okay, after we buy Shelby her Switch, which we're all going to do, of course, we should then buy her a new phone so she could download Clash. And <laughs> I like how it went from just you buying the Switch to everyone we're buying the Switch together. We're all buying you a Switch now. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. they signed up for that. <laughs> it's going to be a Kickstarter, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure uh, there's like a zillion other Kickstarters for this, but... Yeah, well, <sighs> Shelby's is more important, obviously. So, yeah, please feel free to go to our Kickstarter page. There could be some and... fucking Kickstarter for some sick kid in a hospital that wants a Switch, but no. Nope. Well, yeah, but... You I run mean, a very important podcast, Shelby. Do they run a podcast? Yeah. If they do, then they should get the Switch first. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. I have to hear their story. Sick sick podcasters are, are number one. Just being Shelby could be the handicap she needs. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. <laughs> I'm joking, Shelby. You're a wonderful person. <sighs> Uh, I have more stuff, but I, I'm going to save it because we're already going pretty far. Uh, so next week I'll bring out my new segment, which is uh, Rob's stupid question of the episode. And that's different from all the other stupid questions I have, though. And also, oh, well, just real quick. So they figure out the Joy-Con issue. It was a manufacturing error. A couple Joy-Cons have like this little black piece missing or whatever. Or, and you could fix it by opening up and adding like a piece of black tape or calling Nintendo and they'll, re they'll fix it for you. But it was a small uh, like run of shipments that had the Joy-Con syncing issue. So it's actually a physical error, and there, we, you will see less and less of that happening now that they've figured it out and fixed it. And the other thing is that um, Bloodstain was canceled for the Wii U, <gasps> and uh, now it's coming out for the Switch. So big surprise. <laughs> and yeah, there we go. So, Lef, are you staying for the top? You're leaving for the topic, yeah, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm heading out, everybody. Get out of here, Lef. Go away. Go Aww. away, Lef. Bye. Get out. Bye, love. Bye. Up next, our superior enhanced topic is left won't be there. So I often watch uh, GDC conferences, and there's always very interesting panels there. Just this year, Nintendo was there talking about Breath of the Wild. Whoa. And they often record them and put them on YouTube, so I watch them because I'm a game developer and, and I try to be, or I try to justify it by being responsible. I listen to those at work sometimes, and I find them super, super interesting because we are game developers. And... We feel stuff when we're making games, and there are a lot of difficulties making games. You know, I don't know how, how people outside of the industry think that a game is made, but making games, and I've been saying this from episode one, I think, which is making games is hard. It's yes. so hard. Because if I remember correctly, when I was outside of the industry, I thought like, well, you think about a game and then you go and do it, right? Yeah, it's easy. <laughs> no problem. It's 
it's like, oh, it's a game that you do this and you do that and you press this button and this happens. Well, it's not like that at all, right? Ooh. You have an idea for a game and then it ends up being something completely different. This is because of the development process, how games are made. So when a game that is very different comes out and is hitting the right, you know, the right notes and you, and you play it and you've never played something like this before and it's so well executed, man, when I say every game is a, is a little miracle, I mean, those are like super big, incredible miracles. Almost impossible to do it sometimes. Anyway, I've heard about this game probably for the first time when we did our episode on the Top 100 Edge magazine <laughs> thing. That's right. Mm-hmm. And there was, there was fun. There, yeah, there was a bunch of games there that I've never never heard about them before. Is this where that you're getting really all, your, all your picks from? Is the Edge magazine list? Not necessarily, but <laughs> it is one of, of my uh, influences for sure. Anyway, that was the first time I heard about this game. And then the second time I heard about this game, I was just looking for GDC talks in, in YouTube. And th- there was one called How to Make Your Game Just Completely Hilarious, The Stanley Parable. And I was like, okay, I've heard about this game. I didn't know it was about comedy. Mm. So I put, the, I, I put the conference on. And it's super interesting. Very, very interesting because they did have a lot of ambition. They were talking about, you know, games as art. They were talking about how to use, you know, comedy in a game effectively. And they they show a bunch of, of prototypes. Like their first prototype, it's a, it's a game called Four Jokes. And it's basically you're in a room with walls and there are jokes on the walls, right? And it's, they're just uh, puns, puns about walls. Yeah. It, it, it just gets you you know, walking around these rooms and you read, you read the jokes on the wall and that's it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You would think this is really inconsequential, it's but a- they were really trying something. They were trying to use comedy as a technique or, or as an objective for the game, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is something that when you think in that way, you're not thinking about developing a product or, or hitting the market. Or you're, you're talking about art, right? You're talking about, you know, expressing a certain idea in this medium. It was really, really interesting. They start, you know, developing this idea slowly. And I would recommend people that is interested in game development to watch that because they, they touch on a lot of things. And, and the guy is kind of crazy and he, he tries to, to put up a, a performance in there. Does he have crazy hair? Yeah, yeah. William <laughs> Pugh, I think it's called. He is the co-creator of, of the game. When I listened to that conference, I was like, okay, this is interesting. I'll play this when I have the chance. Third time I heard about this game was during the last... Humble Bundle that I purchased, which is Humble Bundle Freedom, I think it was called. Yeah. And a bunch of games were there. And I actually told you guys, hey, we should get this because there's a bunch of games that I, I think we should play. Mm-hmm. But the Stanley Parable was there. And we needed some short topic, so I put it on the, on the schedule. So here we are, right? Mm-hmm. And, spent the, and I didn't know what the game was about. I heard you guys talking about it a little bit, and I was like, okay, it seems like this game is going to be something interesting because you were mentioning uh, words like funny and hilarious. And when I was reading your comments, I was like, okay, so this guy really, you know, accomplished his, or, or rather their objective. So the Stanley Parable is a really interesting game because it's a game that doesn't really have that traditional gameplay in the sense of you, you don't beat an enemy or, I don't know, you, you, you don't have this adventure of sorts, although you, you, you kind of have if you think about it. You're this character that is an employee in a company, and your job is to push buttons. <laughs> there once was a man named Stanley, who people considered so manly. 
But the truth must be told, he was not very old and was quite particularly gangly. What Stanley liked most was buttons. He pushed them like some kind of glutton. He did it all day in a meaningful way, but his brain had long ceased to function. Which is why he is in this parable and lives an existence quite terrible. And if you are not strong and keep playing along, you too will become quite unbearable. Yes. You too will become quite unbearable. So, one day, there's nobody in the company and, and there's a narrator. And I, I guess that one of the, the things in, in the story is that you are aware of the narrator. I so, mean... The, the my immediate thought of course like the the natural thought that anybody would have at that point is they're all raptured and then they're in uh -huh. they're probably in heaven right now so I, <laughs> why would your character even be confused for a second I mean, that's what i thought i thought you'd be living the last days by yourself forging for food repenting but that's yeah, not I mean, what happens <laughs> there's more to it which is this existential kind of thing yeah which is something that comes up a lot while playing this game is like the nature of reality and things like that, right? So right. When the narrator speaks in the past tense, you're like, okay, so I'm supposed to do that, but I haven't done it, right? And so that illusion of, of choice, the most iconic moment of this game is when you're presented with, with two doors. And, and ju just to, to picture a more complete frame here, um, is first person controls and views. Yep. So you control this with the WASD keys and the mouse to move around. So it's very basic mm -hmm. first-person shooter kind of thing. It's even made on the Source engine. So anyone that is familiar with Half-Life 2, it has pretty much that feeling. And those kind of like, um, even the sound effects are really similar. I think it was a mod for for Half-Life. I think so. Yeah, that, that's what they did. That's uh, they were experimenting with it, and I think oh, it got okay. re actually like released on 2011 as a mod. Th then in 2013, they got like a, a full release. Yeah. But anyway, you're presented with these two doors, and the narrator said says something in the lines of, and then Stanley went through the left door. <laughs> so immediately, I go through the other door. I don't know about you guys, but my very first reaction was to to disobey the narrator i'm curious what i actually first... went through the right door because at that point i was i, I was still uh getting used to the game so i was just like like walking and i wasn't like really waiting or or listening to the narrator too much <laughs> so i was my immediate you know reaction was to go through the right door and just when i was crossing the right door he was saying something about going through the left door <laughs> and he was <laughs> like uh oh did you turn around and go back to the left door no, I didn't. I okay. just went through it. I was like, I, I, but I, I do that in games a lot. Like, if, if I need to go, like, right on a platformer, I, I just go left. Just yeah, it's the same thing just, here. Just, just to see what happens, you know, and then just to uh, confirm that I'm exploring er everything. So even when it says, when it's, you have to go to the left, I, I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to go through the right. And if, and if I had to go to the, to the left, the game's going to stop me and I'll just backtrack, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what I did. But really what's important here, what's really interesting is that the narrator says in the past tense that you went through the left door. So you're presented with an option, right? 
that is that is what the game if if you had to resume the game in in one moment it it is that moment when you are there standing seeing seeing at the two doors two paths the nar- the narrator picks for you or mm-hmm. says he he went through the left door and what do you do do you obey why do you obey and if you disobey why why are you disobeying right because there's not not much left to do in the game you really cannot interact with much with much of the stuff i mean apparently right so i mean as a new player so it is a game about yes comedy is one thing but it's the nature of choice too right why do we do stuff why why should you conform with the with the rules of your context in i don't know it, it made me think a lot it's a very interesting game so i would like to hear your opinions about it Let's go first. <laughs> you just volunteered. Okay. Um, I thought because when I first started playing, uh, through the first door, I definitely did go to where he told me to go. <laughs> uh, but then after that, I was, you know, because at first I thought it was kind of tutorial-like, where it was going to explain to you kind of what was happening. Uh, but then after that, I was like, oh no, I can do whatever the hell I want. So after I just kind of kept constantly like disobeying. Uh, the narrator after that and yeah <laughs> like we'll, we'll uh, talk about endings later and give a nice clear spoiler uh, alert before we do that yeah this is a heads up mm-hmm. anyway i just uh i thought it was really funny how insistent the narrator was at some points and that if you did disobey him and then he was like oh fine i guess i'll fucking uh <laughs> redo this or retell this or, or find some way to make this work and then he's just kind of like blaming you for making his story go not the way he wants it to go, which is awesome. But yeah. He's kind of I a control see. freak. A little bit. Yeah, seems like a bit. nice, nice, a cool guy who might host a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, I thought it was quite funny, and I immediately disobeyed it, of course. And I remember I was, I got to the, the lounge, that sweet lounge uh, <laughs> that I must, I had to have, I had to see. And I was um, doing something. I can't remember if I was was playing another game or if I was reading or talking to Meg or something, but I left it idle and then it kept talking to me. Yeah. (laughs) I I, I love when games do stuff like that. And yeah, the narrator is, it's cool. It, uh, it narrates based on your actions to the extent of course of pre-scripted narration and decisions you can actually do in the game. Like any game, it feels like a game full of choices, but of course, you are always limited by reality. I mean, you can't program a game for every possible thing. It's not like you can break out the window and 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 run around the city, kind of thing. But mm-hmm. but you know, so it, it but it does give you that 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 illusion of choice, like all games, all good games that that try to do that do. And um, the game is ripe full of secrets. We didn't talk about endings yet, and we'll get to that. But the game has multiple endings depending on what you do. Uh, which is always fun. And the game is really fast. I got about four or five endings in my like hour and a half of play playthrough. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was nice for, for my uh, obsession on categorizing games that I finish throughout the year. And yeah, but overall, the whole thing was pretty fun. I mean, the narrator is kind of a jerk. He seems nice at first, but he's only nice if you, if you listen to him. So he's kind of like, uh, he's kind of abusive. I mean, <laughs> if if you don't do what he says, then he's, crazy and mean to you 
if you do what he says and he praises and he's nice to you. So, you know, I don't like that. He's kind of a jerk. But I disobeyed him. And yeah, but it's it's basically a walking simulator simulator, like and like games like in this genre, like uh everybody's gone to the rapture and I don't know, other ones. I don't play many of them, but I, overall though, because of the, the style and quality of it I thought it was quite fun. Yeah, the envision part to me comes with with the idea of what what a game is about, what it's supposed to be, right? Are we supposed to have fun with games? I mean, is that really why we play a game? I think so. I think that's the the main reason. I mean, is, is, yeah, but <laughs> well, what is well, what is fun, right? Depends on the person at that point. Although I'm sure there's a generalized agreement on what fun could be. I, I guess that that's a quick question. Mario games are considered fun, but then you might have a game like the Halos that Shelby might say is cool. So then you have fun versus cool. I don't know. Skill, you like to be tested games. Like games with no consequences are usually less fun. Although games that are too hard are usually less fun. So, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. I guess games can, can cover a lot of things. Why do we play games? Distraction? Why do we watch TV? Entertainment? Entertainment. I answered my own question. I don't know. I think it's it's much more than that. I mean, you can have fun without necessarily being entertained and by by entertained i mean this idea of the nature of entertainment or or what we mean when we say entertainment i think that there is this baggage to that word entertainment right there's the baggage of you're probably not being productive you know what i mean yes you're, pro you're probably not doing work you're probably not learning or you're, or the purpose of that activity is just to to be entertained right? but that's it, it feels it feels hollow that's a good thing in a that, way though i mean it's not bad. It, it is necessary. Yeah, yeah. In life, right? But have you seen a movie and yeah, felt entertained, but also felt like you were like achieving some higher form of consciousness? You were learning something. You were exposed to something that you didn't think about in that way, or it really made a big impact on you. You know what I mean? So it 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 is meaningful, and of course you had fun, and of course you were entertained, but it also meant something. And I think that that fun is more of a thing that the media in which it is de delivered allows it to happen. So narrative is very entertaining and can be a lot of fun. Maybe the main objective of a narrative is to, to get an idea across, you know, in the form of a story, probably. But also, when you're creating a narrative, the most important thing, I, I think, in order for that idea to come across is to, to build that bridge between the author and you so that that idea can come across is to create this suspension of disbelief, right? Because if, if, if at any point during a narrative, you're like, oh, this thing doesn't make sense, then you, you break that. And it's really hard to, uh, to express an idea correctly, right? So you create this, there are rules. You create a dimension in which the person that is, that is experiencing this narrative is, is making sense of, there are rules to it. You know that, that thing they say about breaking the fourth wall? So there, there's a wall in there, right, in which that narrative lives. And if you push it too much, there are things that don't make sense. If you, if you don't use the conventions of that medium, then you're going to break that, that suspension of disbelief. And this game does, I think, everything that you shouldn't do in a way and makes it work. And it creates a new form of narrative because the game is not about what happens to the character. It's about, in a way, is what happens to you, the player, as a, as a player of the game, in a way. Because you are 
question. You 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 start to develop a relationship with a with, with the narrative of the game or through the narrator, I would say. So whenever we are choosing, we're trying to disobey. What are we trying to do actually? Are we trying to to just be rebels or are we trying to explore something within the mechanics and the context of the game? You know, you know what I felt when, when I was playing this game? I feel like I was like watching Deadpool. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh. <laughs> because Deadpool was kind of like that, right? Deadpool broke a lot of conventions. Yeah, it's... He was pushing the that suspension of disbelief kind of thing. It breaks it, it completely completely breaks that. And by doing that, yes, it breaks the rules of traditional narrative, but they feel comfortable with it. They own it. And they create this new context in which you're like, okay, so everything goes. You know what I mean? Yes. I, I find a lot of time I hate... If a game's going to break the fourth wall, I need it to be like a conscious choice that has meaningful impact on the story. I don't like fourth wall jokes in most cases unless they're like fully going in all in. Like the occasional wink and nod at the camera kind of thing I find is kind of lame. But things like Deadpool, which I quite enjoy, and this game, which I also enjoy, when you embrace that whole breaking the fourth wall and use it as a, as a sort of plot device or narrative or commentary... Uh, I then enjoy them very much, but just, you know, there are some shows and, and games even and, and movies that just kind of, oh, ha ha ha, look at, we're just kind of breaking the fourth wall, but only once. And I find those quite lame. Spoilers. Spoilers until damage. I don't know when damage will be from here, so it'll skip ahead a little bit. Or if you don't care, then feel free to listen. Um... So I guess I will recount my experiences with the game because I didn't play for I played for like maybe an hour and a half, two hours. So I first played the game, uh, booted up at my desk. I walk away and oh, I get like six endings now. I think about it. I walk away and I, of course I disobey. Go through the wrong door. See the cool lounge. He then directs me anyway. So I follow his new directions. I go downstairs. I get into this big room with TV screens everywhere. Go upstairs, and then you get a choice, basically, to press a button or not. And he says, you know, press the button. And I'm like, well, I don't want to press the button, so I don't press the button. And then he mocks you, and he closes the door, sets up alarms. He says, I'm going to blow the place up then. You didn't find out any of the secrets of what happened. Uh, you're a failure. Um, no one likes you. I'm, I'm just projecting now. But basically, he blows up after mocking you. And I'm trying to, you're going around, you're trying to press the button. You're trying to turn it off, and he won't let you, you know, like, I made a mistake. But he doesn't care. Uh, so then blows up so the next time i do the exact same thing get myself back there and then i press the button and then i got the good ending it op <laughs> it opened up i walked out i was free i was happy i think i had an achievement pop up saying beat the game i was like cool and this is usually where i would stop playing a game but it was so short that i was like all right well let's see what else i can do and then i think the next time i played i just uh closed the door and then you're locked in <laughs> you're locked in there and you can't get out yep. i was like what the fuck is this uh, so that <laughs> coward ending is what it's called. Yeah. So I was like, all right, well, that happened. Uh, so then eventually it resets. And this time I'm going, I go across the conveyor. I go to a different door. So I go to the lounge area again. But this time instead of taking that left door where he tells you to go, I take another door and I find this kind of warehouse part. And I take a, uh, a track over and I don't jump off the catwalk yet. I go across, <laughs> I get into a room. There's a, there's a mannequin uh, wife. That was fucked up. Yeah, and then I got locked in that room. But this time, what was weird is uh, it, I think it glitched on me because nothing happened. I was just stuck there. There was no call. I couldn't move. I couldn't get out. Waited like four or five minutes. Nothing happened. So I reloaded. Uh, so this time, I was like, oh, I wonder if I go back to that same area. I'm like, I wonder if I can jump onto this little catwalk that you're going over. So I do. And then the narrator is quite 
surprised, I guess, at, at that point. So I go down this hallway, and then you see a blue and a red door, and he's like, I'm going to let you get back on track. You know, you made a mistake here. You can rectify it. Go through the... Do you remember if it was the blue door he wants to go through or the red one? Red one, I think. I think he wants to go through red. Yeah, so he's like, go through the red door, and I'm like, and there's a blue door. I'm like, well, I like blue more, So I, and I don't want to listen to you. So I go through the blue door, and then he, he puts you back in the same room. And then he said, actually, you really need to go through the red door. So I go through the blue door again. But this time he has, like, signs and stuff pointing to the red door. Like, go to the red door. I'm like, no. I go to the blue door. <laughs> and then I appear in the room again. And this time it's only a red door. But I'm stubborn. So I turn around and instantly see the blue door there. So I'm like, all right, cool. So I go through that blue door. And he's like, all right, fine. You clearly don't want to play this game. You uh, want to play a different game. So let's play a different game. And then he's transferred you into a Minecraft stage. Or not stage. You're in the <laughs> Minecraft world. And you just watch him build this shitty little house and, and a door and he lets you in. And then eventually he opens the path and takes you down underground. And, and then he's like, this is, we're not playing this game anymore. Let's play a new one. And he puts you into the first, like, first puzzle in uh, Portal. <laughs> and then, so I do the, I do it. And then right when I'm about to get the Portal gun, he's like, no, we're not playing this game either. You're whatever, bad at life. And then he switches it again. And now you're dropped into this, like, weird, like, not finished area with textures on the floor. And, and, um. You're just kind of, I'm going to be getting endings mixed at this point, but I think you're just kind of stuck there. Mm-hmm. And eventually you can fall off and then you hit, land into a hallway. And then you can keep kind of falling in the world and going to new areas. Is this the part with the baby or not? I can't remember. Yeah, that's the, I'm pretty sure the games one is. Uh, <clears throat> the baby one. The baby one. That yeah. was fucking hilarious. All right. So sidetrack. <laughs> you got to stop the baby. Yeah. So he's like, all right, you're going to play this game. <laughs> There's a fire and a cutout of a, of a real life baby. <laughs> on a stick and it's going to the fire and he's like so basically the point is if you let the baby burn you're a terrible person if you don't let the baby burn you're basically doing it forever so i was like okay i kept doing it and i was like i was seeing how close i could get the baby to the fire without <laughs> and megan was watching me play and she was laughing and like because the baby's like just making like little baby noises and then i'm like he's getting to, he's getting close to the fire uh, and I hit the button watch him go back so I did that for about two or three minutes, seeing how close <laughs> to the fire get. Eventually, well, fuck, I'm not going to sit here forever, stupid baby. And then I let the baby, you know, <laughs> get engulfed in flames. <laughs> and, uh, and then you're chastised, called a bad person. I was just laughing at that point. It was funny. Uh, and then eventually you get to a room and then you start all over again. So that was the, the big one I got. I was, I was laughing the entire time. It was, it was really funny. Did not <laughs> see that coming. It was quite, quite the delight. Uh, really, really uh, surprised me. So, probably had another couple other endings, but I don't want to take all of them. But that was my favorite by far. Go Shelby. <laughs> so I did get uh, the the game's ending, and uh, and the one where you get away. It's called the one where you beat the game. I think it's called the freedom ending. Nice. Which is funny because you're just basically like obeying him till the very end. And then you're and free. Then, <laughs> and then you're free and then it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> he was trying to help you the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think the my two favorite endings are like if you're on the lift and you're like, because you're in the warehouse and you get yeah. like transported from one side to the other, you can just jump off the lift and die. Oh, and really? <laughs> you restart. Um, you can actually, I think there's two of those, because uh, my friend uh, I was talking to said that you can get two different uh, endings where you jump off uh, the lift, and one of them is, like, in the middle of it, you just jump off and die, and then the, the other one is right before you get on the lift. Uh, 
and it starts to move, you jump off, and then that one's called Cold Feet, I guess. <laughs> you try to back up. Because <laughs> you try to back up because you're like, no, I don't want to do this. <laughs> uh, I think in both times, the, the narrator is like, wow, good job. Because <laughs> you're basically taking, like, you know, your life in your own hands because you're committing suicide at that fucking point. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and then... Uh, that was the, the other... first ending I got, actually. Oh, oh really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I really like that ending. Uh, and then the other one that I got was the uh, the museum ending. Oh, I, I heard of that one from Megan, but I didn't see it myself. Yeah, it's super cool. So I think if you pretty much, like, you obey him until you get to the like where it's called i think the mind control place or just the the room like you're standing outside of the door and you just see the room full of like uh or the room with the button in it mm -hmm. and then on the left there's a thing that says escape and you can go through there um so anyway if you go through there you get the uh, museum uh ending because like you go through the escape you end up in this weird fucking like uh I don't know. It's like you're on a conveyor belt or something, and you see just ahead of you that there are things being crushed by this giant. Yeah, doesn't he like... tell you he'll die? You'll die if you go down the hallway. Yeah. Yeah. So... <laughs> I stopped there and turned. I was like, I actually went through a little bit, like hesitated, like, well, I really want to go press the button this time, so I yeah. backed it's away. Scary, right? I didn't do that yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> but it's but scary. Yeah, it is scary. It's <laughs> because horrible. it's so long. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's long and um... cramped and tight. I didn't like it. Yeah, so uh, just as you're about to die, uh, the game stops. Like, you're literally, like, you look up and you see this fucking thing and it's coming down on your head and then right before it kills you, it stops. Uh, and then you, uh, the narrator changes to a female narrator. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so she takes over because she wants to free him or whatever. Uh, so you end up in uh, the museum and inside the museum is all like this, uh, um, like are all these like uh displays with shit from like the earlier versions of the game mm -hmm. so you can go through like all these different uh all these different rooms and they have like oh this is what we wanted to do here or this was how this ending was originally supposed to happen but then we changed it to blah 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 so you can just kind of like go through it's almost like uh debug room like, yeah commentary almost because oh. you're going through and you're seeing like all, all right. the things that they wanted to do mm. uh but didn't or things that didn't make it into the final game so i thought that was really fucking cool um yeah, so after that, uh, the only way to get out of that um, is to let yourself be crushed and die. Oh. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. There's this... <laughs> oh, shit. There's a big, big black room in there, right? That says the Stanley Parable, and there's a switch, and you have to turn it off, I think? I think so, that's yeah. What, that's what you mean, right, Shirley? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you turn the... it off, and then you're back on the conveyor belt, and then you get crushed. <laughs> yeah, because that's the only way to to get out of it. Uh, as she said, the only way to restart the game is to die. So, yeah, sad yeah. man. They force you to restart. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, that was that was interesting. That but yeah, definitely great. falling to your death. Best best ending. Yeah. You know, you like the idea of fall? Is that how you'd like to go if you were to yeah, die? Yeah, totally. You just like the fall. Yeah. How would you like to die, I Sage? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Computer virus, <laughs> maybe. Uh, well, know. in the future, maybe they they'll be able to infect humans. Yeah, I'd like to say the way I'd like to die. Is I don't want to die ever, and I refuse to acknowledge it. So, uh, Seiji, do you have any favorite ending? Yeah, my favorite ending was was uh, that one that Shelby described. But if I had to pick a second one, mm -hmm. I guess the most interesting to me is when you go through the right door. No, no, no. You go to the to the left door, but in the stairways, instead of going up to your boss's office, you go down. Mm -hmm. Oh, mm -hmm. okay, yeah. 
and then you get trapped in this infinite loop. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and and that while you're there, sucks. there's it, it it sucks, but the, the 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 performance of the narrator is amazing and then you die actually by going crazy. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, and it's really trippy. Doesn't somebody yeah. find your body? Yeah, uh, like outside of the building or something. Really? I, I don't think remember you, I the think name. You fall yeah, out. but yeah, yeah. There, there's a girl that that finds your body and and it has it. It has her own like intro. Like this is a story about a girl named. Yeah. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah. I didn't know there's other humans in this game. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's all right. There's that one, Mariella or something like that. It's called. Oh, uh, I can't remember actually. I didn't play enough, but you guys may have played probably more than I did. What, so what happened? What's the deal? What actually happened to the employees? Because I know you can find out in the game, but I, I never did. Do you guys I know? I never got an ending where you do. Did you figure it out, Seiji? No, just in the ending, uh, like the freedom ending. But instead of, of obeying the last decision, you, you're going to turn on the mind control device. <laughs> uh, the narrator teases you with saying that, oh, I killed them all and whatever. What's that? You'd like to know where your co-workers are. A moment of solace before you're obliterated. All right, I'm in a good mood. You're going to die anyway. I'll tell you exactly what happened to them. I erased them. I turned off the machine. I set you free. Of course, that was merely in this instance of the story. Sometimes when I tell it, I simply let you sit there in your office forever, pushing buttons endlessly and then oh, dying. I don't think that was real. Actually, that ending, I got, like, probably at least five or six times because I was trying to get the button configuration right because there's like hints and there's uh buttons with numbers. So I thought, okay, there's something here to to solve, like a puzzle, right? Mm -hmm. But I never got it right. And then after reading, I think it doesn't have a solution. <laughs> it's just there <laughs> to tease you. <laughs> Did you get the um broom closet ending? There's an ending about the broom closet? Because yeah. I, I I went in. And I went in the too. The narrator yeah. tells you, well, this is just a broom closet. So you go out in that. So there's an ending there. Uh, yeah. If you uh, if you stay in there, it's it's almost like the one with uh, where Rob was talking about where you stay inside your office. Like you just close the door. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so you stay, you basically stay uh, inside uh, the broom closet. And then like after a while, the narrator's like, wow, this, like you're annoying the shit out of me basically because you're not doing what I'm saying. So he assumes that you're dead. Uh, and I think after that, I, I think you can leave, but I'm not sure. But, um, uh, you, you leave and then I think he kind of like dubs you, uh, like your player two, I think, or like, I can't remember exactly, but you can go back into the broom closet again and you, you just basically go back into the broom closet over and over and over again. And eventually like you go back, um, like when you restart the game, uh, and you walk by, it's boarded up. So you can't go in anymore because because he gets annoyed every single time you go into the broom closet. <laughs> but yeah, it's funny. What a goofy game. Yeah. So should we damage it? Yep. Damage! Uh, I like the game. I got it for super cheap. I don't know what the actual price is though. Like, like five, five, ten bucks? Maybe. Oh man, I got it for like a dollar something. Yeah. In, uh, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's super. Assuming, yeah, assuming it's under five dollars, I'm gonna go with the idea that it's under five bucks. If it was over like five bucks, I think then it's not worth it. Um. I'll, I'll, I'll look it up. Okay. Cool. So yeah, it's a fun little game. But I mean, if you don't like those types of games, it's not a, really a puzzle game. It's not a action game. It's not. It's barely an exploration game. 
it's I guess a game's choice that you can make it and it, and like say the what in the detail on it commentary it it's makes 17 Canadian 17 right it's kind of expensive right yeah okay <laughs> all right I'm gonna be a little harder on it then uh yeah <laughs> yeah it's not worth seven I would not I would be hard pressed to say it for seventeen dollars. I mean, you don't. It's fun and it's cool, and you can find these little, little, um, all these little endings. But other than that, there's not a, certainly no challenge. There's yeah, there's game over, but it's not really game over. You just kind of keep playing and, and making decisions. So it really strongly depends on 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 your on how much tolerance you have for these types of games. If you're the type of person who don't like quote unquote walking simulators, then you would hate this game. If you're a type of person who wants more action or consequence in this game, you're probably not going to like it too much either. So I might wind up giving it a higher damage because of the price and because of the, uh, I think the niche crowd it would would attract. But before I do give my damage, I, I'm going to say I'm glad I played it. I liked it. I got it as part of the Freedom Bundle too, so I have no issue with the price. But if say we ruined this game and I was the only one who didn't get the Freedom Bundle and I had to buy it and I paid 17 bucks for it, probably would have been a little pissed off to be honest because that's that's pretty expensive and i do want to realize that some of that is because of our shitty dollar not helping things but but i don't like to also say that it's not i don't like i always we always get mixed up in these topics of how much a game is worth and stuff so this is like the first time i think where i'm clearly thinking i would be upset if i just paid 17 dollars for it because there's just there's not a whole lot of game there there but that's not to say it, it's empty or hollow either it's not it, it's fun it's cool it has lots of different endings I like that it's made by a very, very, very small team. Um, so that's tough, man. I wanna, I want, I wanna be nice to it because I like, I, I respect indie games too. I respect the heart and soul that goes into it. I respect the fact that they're trying stuff that the bigger games can't because of the finances involved. They're not allowed to take as many risks. So, but I mean, does that excuse a high price point and limited returns? Does that excuse like the fact that a lot, not a lot of people would like this game? So I'm really torn because if I was going with just like my experience, like, oh, it's fun, you know, uh, a quarter damage, you know, but if I'm going with who I would recommend it to, I would, I almost want to say three quarters damage. So I will say three quarters damage. Oh, who would you recommend it to? Uh, people like Seiji. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't have a lot of friends like that. Uh, what, what, what do you mean by that exactly? Well, I don't know. You like it, someone who really, really likes indie games. Someone who, let me think, who would I, who would I recommend this to besides you so it has to be someone who's big on indie games who doesn't particularly care about how much he spends on a game um or she um someone who maybe someone comes to me like hey rob i want to play a really weird game uh money is no object <laughs> no no uh no problem um uh, i don't want it to be like your typical regular game you got anything you could recommend i would say play thomas was alone um but if i if they said i already played that then i would say play brothers I already played that too. Well, I haven't played many other games like that, so you should play uh, Stanley Parable. However, if they're just like, oh, I want to laugh at a game, I want a really funny game, and nothing else matters, oh, then then play Stanley Parable. It's hilarious. Or a game that maybe want, maybe you don't, uh, you just want to think a little bit. Or, I don't know, man, it's tough. I would recommend other games before this, like like the ones I just mentioned. But, you know, if they play those games and they're like, I really want to play something hilarious, uh, and I know that they like, say, everybody's gone to the rapture, which is not funny. But it's another game. It's another game where you walk the entire game. But that's that's a mystery with lots of heavy atmosphere and and it's also lasts more than like an hour. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm gonna stick with three quarters damage. But it's not a reflection of how I feel about the game. I think the game is great for what it is, uh, and um, that's why I always stress 
recommendation. I do not recommend it to everybody, though. So and I will stick with my three quarters. The rare time where I'm harsh on a game. <laughs> So I got this uh, a few years ago when it came out. I got it in a Steam sale, I think, like a summer sale. So I didn't have to pay a crazy amount for it. And I think if people want to play this game, they should wait till it goes on sale because, yeah, I don't. I personally don't think it's worth the the seventeen bucks for it. Uh, but otherwise, like, it's a game that you you only have to put like an hour or so into it, and I find for that amount of time spent, you get so much just in terms of, like, ideas and shit to think about and just philosophies and blah 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 uh, out of it that that I, it makes that hour of gameplay, like, super worth it. Because um, I find, like, you know, we're able to talk about it uh, for a half an hour or so, but I'm sure, like, if we really got super uh, into a conversation about it that we'd be able to go on for much, much longer uh, just getting into, like, uh, you know, the ideology and stuff behind it. So, um... That being said, it's super like a super niche game, like indie games and 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 stuff. Uh, and I don't know a lot of people aside from you guys and like my super hardcore uh, friends who are into like gaming and stuff that would like it. So I'm gonna go half damage, I guess. It's still really fucking good, though. <laughs> That's I, what's sad. Yeah, I get in the same way. It is a good game, but. It's mm -hmm. it's, it's tough to recommend everybody. It doesn't have broad yeah. to me. It doesn't have broad appeal unless it was free. If this was a free game. I would I would have given it no damage. I would think play it. It's it's fun little hour, but it's not mm -hmm. free. It's not even cheap. So. I I can see people who who play like bigger like RPGs and stuff just be like, why would oh, yeah, why would I, like left and why would like, I pay seventeen bucks for this? I don't think left you know? seem all that interested in playing it either. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. It's, AG, my it's really hard to disagree with that price point thing. It's really hard mm -hmm. because it's expensive for, yeah. for, for for what it is. And what it is is the problem for me because it is not a product. It is not... I don't think it was a game designed to, to make a profit. I think this game is as art house as it gets in games nowadays. I mean, maybe there's like art projects out there in museums and stuff. But I'm saying like in the context of what gets to the market, to the like math market, this is a art house as it gets i think right super ambitious so yeah is it worth 17 dollars? i don't know depends on you probably yeah. not yes <laughs> at the same time there's probably a bunch of games that are that, that we've played here that i've purchased that i only purchased because of the show mm -hmm. or, or i only purchased because they were in in humble bundles and i think that the whole reason why the humble bundle is so successful is because a lot of people think like that about a bunch of indie games. It's true. This is kind of sad, but that's how it goes. And that's mm -hmm. fine. You know, that's fine. That's how it is. And I'm really glad that the indie game scene has found a way to get their games on the market. And if it's through Humble Bundles and if it is through sales, well... Cool. Can, you know, as, mm -hmm. as long as these games are out there. Can I throw it so, yeah. in a wrench to that, CG? Uh -huh. I just want to throw out something you just said. Um, I've bought a lot of games to show that I never would have bought because of those are topics you chose. And I and I, I like any games, but I don't really play that many of them. Uh, this would have been the first one I would have regretted paying 17 bucks for. If I had paid that much for Thomas was alone or Brothers, I know Brothers is technically, but it basically feels like one, uh, I wouldn't have been uh, annoyed by it. 
but this one I, I would have been a little annoyed by it. So I think this one's a little bit different than the in general. Because um, you're right, like people prefer like is like if you people see people with big Steam libraries or who have or who are like a game comes out and one of the things I hear most every time is oh I'll wait till it goes on sale before I buy it. Like I mm-hmm. I think rarely anyone buys Steam games at full price for the most part unless they're anticipating it, which I think is in a way kind of sad in some respects. But I guess it's no different than waiting for a used game. But um, yeah, I don't know, man. I just this this one here feels a little special in terms of just the disparity between the amount of gameplay you get and and the price point. Like seventeen dollars for Thomas was alone seems to me completely worth it. Um, but I would I would argue this one doesn't fall in the same category. Sorry if that's not exactly what you're saying. It's just something that you made me think about um while you were saying it. No, I mean it's it's completely fair. It is a business, so you we think of it as consumers, as clients, and you see you know the value and what you what you're looking at when you when when you play a game and if they have an artistic like urge there that is not your problem as a consumer right you just want to you you have a, a certain amount of money to spend and that's it but w- what i'm saying is that regardless of, of of what it is a lot of people see indie games like that right in general kind of yeah as a blanket but it, it 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 is like that if it is thomas was alone or, or if it is like Super Meat Boy or whatever, they, they see it as a second-rate kind of kind of medium. So if they already see you as being experimental or as being, you know, weird or whatever, <laughs> you might as well, you know, go full, you know, full crazy on it and, and, and make a thing like this. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't have paid full price for this, but I wouldn't have paid full price for a bunch of indie games that I played. <laughs> That's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, once we are past that, and you're actually analyzing this game. And especially for us game developers, this is very interesting because it makes you really think about what you, what you do on a day-to-day basis, right? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the decisions or, or, or a lot of what we do is based on business decisions, is based on, you know, how to make a game, you know, sexier to the market, how to monetize, how to, you know, how to hit the right notes for the consumer. And this game is just completely dismissed. All those things. I don't think there's a way to justify this to 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 a mass market, like saying, "Well, you're not having you're you're not gonna have your traditional kind of fun here. You're going to experience a game that is trying to experiment with comedy and with decision and with the nature of reality and things like that." I mean, it's as I said, it's kind of art housey because it is. This is a recommendation system. I was having a kind of a hard time. With that too, I was thinking of like three quarters damage. I was thinking of who's gonna play this. <laughs> I I'm loving this thing, but who's gonna play this? But I did say something earlier this episode about how <laughs> I enjoy uh, playing games with my wife. Mm-hmm. So I was constantly thinking about this. I was like, what 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 would Erica think about this? So I was just playing the game, and at one point I think she came close. And she was like, "What are you playing? Is 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 that the game that sounds like that?" You know, the narrator, <laughs> because she thought it was it was like a video mm. or something. And then I I would explain to the, to her, "Look, well, this game is about this, and the narrative is pretty free flowing, and and there are decision points and such and such. And at this point, you get to 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 hear and and then she listened to the narrator, and she was like, and does this or did this? And she was like, and what if you do this other thing? And then it clicked, right?" It clicked because that's what the the game makes you think, right? What if I do that? Right. Because you, I, I don't know how you guys play games, but I'm pretty sure a lot of people do this. When you're playing a game, you're trying to find the boundaries, right? What is the stuff that you can do, but immediately after 
you find out that you can, let's say, if you press a button, you can jump, right? That's something that, that you can do. And then you, you start finding the rules of that. And one of the things that you find while exploring mechanics is this, this stuff that you cannot do. You cannot double jump or you cannot jump higher than a certain height. Or maybe you can even jump lower than a certain height. And all those things are going, all those boundaries is really what informs how, let's say, the level design is going to be, how high a platform is going to be. So you know that if you're playing, let's say, a platformer, again, I'm going to use that as, that as an example, and, and a platformer is higher than a certain part, but you see that it's actually a platform and there, there might be an item there, you mm -hmm. think, well, I cannot get there right now with, with the current mechanics, so there must be a way to get there somehow, right? So those boundaries inform your game experience. Now, in this game, you try to find those boundaries constantly, and the first way of doing that is to disobey. That is why we disobey this game, because we're trying to find the boundaries. We're trying to figure out how this game world works. And that is very interesting, mm -hmm. because that is, in a way, the nature of games. You know, it's to, to explore, to find how things... I mean, have you seen a baby? You know, babies are trying, like, pushing things around and, like, throwing them. And what, they're, what they are doing is trying to find those boundaries. They're, they're, they're experimenting with, with, uh, with our world's physics. Mm -hmm. And that's why, you know, fidgeting with things or, you know, you, you, if you grab, let's say, an apple right now and you drop it on the floor, you would expect it to go down and bump into the floor. That's what you expect because you know this through experience. Those are the boundaries of our world. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I said babies because babies, they, they really don't know. So they, if, if something right now out of, out of the blue starts floating around, as an adult, you will freak out because that goes against the conventions of what you know for years. But mm -hmm. if a baby sees something that floats around, it's going to probably be amused about it. Like, <laughs> okay, so that's how it works. That's how the world. Stupid baby laugh. <laughs> right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so in this game, apart from, from the comedic aspect, which I think is a good vehicle for what they're trying to do, mm -hmm. they, they're really ambitious with that aesthetic of play, which is to find boundaries. If you play this game and you, you start analyzing, you know, the things that we do, it's hard to find those boundaries because the, the narrator is always acknowledging that and they know they, it's a game, so there, there, there are boundaries. That, that's why the art gallery um, scene in this game is so powerful because they, they fully acknowledge, you know, this is a game and these are the game assets in there, but it doesn't matter. The narrators are pretty clear that, you know, that you are in this reality mm -hmm. and you're going to die. So why are you doing this? You know, things like that are, are a constant, you know, theme in this game. So it, I don't know. It's a very interesting game. It's, it's much, much more ambitious than what we can say about their price point or about their aesthetics. So I don't know. There's a bunch of stuff in there that, that really makes me think about who would I recommend this game to. And I was going to be pretty harsh. I was, I was going to go with like three quarters damage, but after considering much, a lot of, you know, your, your, your guys' damages, which, which you guys went low, and I usually go low too. So I'm just going to go one quarter damage because I think that, I mean, once you get past the price point, once you, I mean, if you find it on a humble bundle, just, you know, just get it. I mean, it's gonna, you're going to pay nothing for it. Mm -hmm. Just put it on, and I assure you that after five minutes, you're going to get something out of it. You're going to get a laugh. You're going to get something, you know, a, a good memory about it. And that's really worth it. I mean, there's a bunch of games that are really worth you know, a higher price point, but you're not going to get much out of it. You're going to probably have fun and forget about it. But I can assure you, if you play Stanley Parable, it's going to have a place in your memory because it's so unique. 
And just for that, I'm going to go one card damage. There we go. There we go. Uh, what's the total? Uh, so we have a half and three quarters and one quarter. Mm. So, so one and quarter? One and three quarters. Left, anyway. Basic math. <laughs> we suck. We gotta go Ooh, super fast though, because I gotta go driving in like ten minutes. All right, well we're done. And I didn't expect we'd go this long, so <laughs> we're 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 wrapping Not up. Not that it's all bad. Right. Well, but... there you go, Stanley Parable. Thank you all for listening. If you're tired of uh, of all this indie stuff, next week's episode is Super Mario RPG. So that's something to look forward to. I figure we can now just start telling you what our next episode is, and then they can play sure. play it if they want to. Um, so yeah, next week is Super Mario RPG, uh, cartridgeclub.org, uh, bonus player on Twitter, and, uh, SoundCloud, and, uh, yeah, I think that's it, so this is Rob, and Shelby, and Seiji, I'll see you later. <laughs>